0: Well, as a backdrop, but not as the focal point, uh, remember the gospel reading this morning. Uh, As we move into this 40-day journey towards Easter, we have to make our way first to Good Friday and an execution. And Jesus has begun to teach his own disciples about what is to come, because they see him as this glorious and wonderful leader who is going to take back the land from the Romans and is going to be that great political, economic, and spiritual leader who's going to establish a kingdom like was has not been known for a thousand years since the time of King David, and this is one like the Son of David. And instead, Jesus begins to teach them that this, he himself, this Son of Man, must suffer. He will be rejected by the elders and all the chief leaders of the the Jerusalem community, and he will ultimately be condemned, executed. And he does add a curious little postscript, and after three days, rise again which later in the gospel we learn they have no idea what that means, just as you would not have any idea what that meant if you were listening to those words for the first time. We have 2,000 years of perspective to look back on these events so we know the rest of the story. They have no idea. And so there is a gathering cloud over them, and how can anything good come out of what Jesus has just told them? Well, we are moving into a four-week exploration of the, Paul's, of the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi, a city in northern Greece of today, uh, in an area called Macedonia in its own day. And we're going to look at these four chapters of Philippians. We invite you to do so here at church, and that's why we heard a little bit longer reading this morning from Philippians. But explore it as well at home. And if you have not gotten your... Uh, 40-day workbook. Uh, They're available this morning. They were to be handed out to you. I hope you were getting them if you did not get one last week, and you can perhaps play some catch-up. But if you had read or already begun this a week ago with your family or on your own, you would have read a backdrop to the story of Philippi. And before this letter was written, Paul had visited Philippi. And in fact, he went there after God had made him do a 180-degree turn. He was going towards the west, towards the east. Thank you. He was going towards the east into Asia, and the Lord said, I don't want you to go that way. Go west. And so he crosses over the waters into Greece-slash-Macedonia, and ultimately lands in a very non-Jewish city, Philippi, uh, mostly Roman citizens, and um, no synagogue, so there's no place to go and preach. And so if you were to read Acts 16, you would learn that Paul goes out to the riverbank, probably because there was a, the word that there were a few Jews that did live in Philippi who gathered out there for prayer because of no synagogue. And there, great things happen. Lydia, a wealthy businesswoman, has her heart opened, is the way uh, the story in Acts describes it to respond to Paul's message of the good news of God in Jesus, and more good happens. There is a slave girl who has a demonic spirit, and she is delivered from that demonic spirit, but then the clouds begin to gather, because this slave girl and this demonic possession also equipped her to tell the future. She was a fortune teller, a future teller, and she was a slave girl, so she didn't get any benefit from this, but her owners did, and when she was delivered from this demonic oppression, the owners were very upset. And so they stir up the whole crowd against Paul and Paul's other brother, companion, Silas. And they are apparently found guilty or guilty enough to be stripped, flogged, jailed, put into the inner jail, fastened in stocks, their ankles. It's bad news. It's a bad day in Philippi for Christians. How would you end your day if you were Paul and Silas? The story continues and says, about midnight, imagine their hurting backs from the stripping and the whipping, the discomfort, the hunger, and Paul and Silas are praying and singing hymns. The other prisoners are listening. Wow. What a way to respond to adversity. They're doing a good thing. They get accused of doing a bad thing. And the way they handle that adversity, they're praying and singing hymns. God can move in settings like that with God's people. And there's an earthquake. The jail cell doors burst open because of the earthquake. The jailer, the guy in charge, is sure they've all escaped. But instead, Paul apparently has maintained order and nobody has gone anywhere. The jailer is about to kill himself. And Paul says, no, 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 we're all here. You're not going to get in trouble. The jailer obviously has been listening to those prayers, no doubt being said aloud, and to those sung hymns because the jailer says, "What, what can I do to be saved? Paul just goes right to the heart of the matter. He says, believe in Jesus. Believe in Jesus and you will be saved. The jailer accepts Jesus. His whole family is baptized. Paul, the others are fed by the jailer in his home. Something new has happened. And the story ends here. They're all filled with joy. Joy in the Lord. Joy of the Lord's grace and power and love a awful and terrible situation, and God redeems it for good. When messes happen in your life, brothers and sisters, God will take that mess, and as you allow him, God will bring good out of it. This sermon series, To Live is Christ, is meant for us simply to explore what it means to walk With Christ and in Christ. We begin this series this morning with the theme of living for Christ. And next week, like-minded in Christ. And the week after that, in pursuit of Christ. And finally, ending in a climactic way before Palm Sunday, rejoicing in Christ. And we hope you'll take the, the booklet as well and do your own spiritual exercise with this at home. One or two nights a week with your family and find that a further enrichment. So Paul is writing from Rome this letter. We've just recalled the story of his time in Philippi, but he's now in Rome sometime later, at least a few years. He's in prison again, or under house arrest on this occasion. House arrest for two years, we learned, in Rome. What does Paul say about that? That sounds like terrible news to me. Another mess. What we heard this morning, Paul writes, What has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, advance the good news. He says, Others have learned that I'm in chains because of Jesus, and they've taken an interest in that and heard about that. And he said, And what's more, those who are Christians in Rome have been encouraged to speak with courage and fearlessly, seeing how Um, I've lived out this own situation myself. He said, it's all good. It's as if Paul says, I rejoice in this bad stuff in my life because I know God is going to use it for good. And I'm expecting that one way or another, this is going to turn out for the better when bad things happen. And when good things happen, as they do as well, it's an opportunity to give thanks and praise the Lord. Living for Christ is our theme this morning. We can make good choices about our life. God honoring decisions. And God will use these decisions and choices for his kingdom purposes. Just three nights ago here in Door Hall, we had an appointment with contractors at 6 p.m. Carrie Hall and Patty Wheat and I, We're going to meet with Donnie Stone and another individual about these shades, and Donnie's an electrician. And the fellow who was coming to uh, meet about the shades and needed to meet with Donnie Stone um, was late, didn't show up for 45 minutes. Well, we could have been irked by that, irritated by that, in a sour mood by that. Donnie is simply a businessman. He could say, well, I'm going on home. Uh, It's 6 o'clock, and I've got other things to do. Instead, uh, we just sat here and started talking, and uh, at some point, one of us apologized to Donnie. He said, it's okay. I'm, you know, I've done my work for the day. I'm, I'm happy to just sit here. We'll wait for this other fellow who did finally show up, but that's not the point. What happened was an opportunity for a God conversation, finally. It got, the relationships got warmer, in other words, and conversations about, well, where do you attend church, Donnie? He said, well, not I used to be a Baptist, but not anywhere. And uh, my wife sometimes goes somewhere. And uh, he asked about Episcopalians. And he said, I don't know much about Episcopals. Or something like that. And so we talked some about Episcopalians and talked about, well, we love God's Word. We love the Bible. And, and we love Eucharist. We love the sacraments, uh, to feed on his, um, on, you know, on his bread and the cup and the body of Christ. We believe he's really present here with us. We talked about this. And, said, and so, so on, on Sunday mornings, we almost always have something from the Word. And we always have Holy Eucharist. And come anytime you want. We'd love to have you. And somewhere in that conversation, someone also asked, and how are you with the Lord? He said, oh, I think I'm pretty good. I said, well, very good. He said, you're welcome here anytime. Please come and join us. He said, okay. Five hours later, Donnie had died. Our electrician, whom we loved, Stone Electricians, he did a lot of good work for us around here over the last few years as we found somebody we wanted to hang on to. 60 years old, and he was gone five hours later. And the gladness of his wife in this terrible sadness is that one of his last jobs was working on one of the Lord's pieces of property and that uh, his final night was spent gathered with the body of Christ, other faithful believers, in a godly conversation about things of the Lord and things of the church. And then he was gone. Good choices were made that night. Nobody rushed out of here. And nobody got angry about the person who wasn't coming. In fact, we learned finally that he was tied up in traffic and we just had to wait. But instead, holy time, a holy moment, having no idea that this was a final conversation for this gentleman, Donnie. But I'm glad it was the conversation that we had. And so is his family. Or we can make bad choices. And God can use bad choices for good as well. I'd like for you all to think of me as one of your church leaders. As someone who is normally reliable, sane, and even a reasonable person. At least I'm thinking that is whom you would prefer for one of your parish priests. So... It's been hard to decide whether to tell this story. It might be better not to tell you this story because you will see how dumb a 60-year-old priest can be. It's Tuesday evening just before Christmas. More and more in the Christmas spirit, I decide to do something for the staff. Thinking of gift cards. Gift cards from Target would be good to give out the next day during our staff gathering. So I go online Tuesday night to see if they're going to be open early enough on Wednesday morning so I can go out there before our 9 a.m. meeting. And um, I just want to find out if they're open early for Christmas. In a rush, I, target, I key in target.cm instead of .com. And I get a very appropriate target-looking web page and huge congratulations You are the 10,000th or 5,000th person. I don't remember the number. you visitor tonight. You win $500. I am elated. Since it didn't find me, I went to it. I'm thinking it's got to be legit. I mean, I started this whole flow. And so uh, I'm thinking, oh, and the Lord is probably rewarding me for being so thoughtful. (laughs) He's going to pay for all these staff gift cards himself. So with that leverage in mind... I enter in. I only had to answer a few questions to get my reward. I said, no problem. A short survey. Okay, I can do that. Then a request for my name, address. Oh, yes, they need that to mail me my check. My email address. My cell phone number. It's okay. I hesitate there, but I give them my cell number. What can it hurt? Then there's another survey on the screen. The clock is ticking. I hadn't noticed I was on a time limit to receive my reward, but now I see this clock up in the right-hand corner, and I'm running out of time. Then a screen appears where I'm to choose two of numerous pages of options. I'm trying to get around this, but there's not a way to get around these screens, and the clock is ticking, so I choose some option about magazines. And then I... Yeah, yeah, you know this. I get to choose two magazines from a very limited list, free for 30 days. It asks then for my credit card number for the magazines. I hesitate, but the clock is ticking. I'm hooked. I give my credit card number. Then I'm declared a winner of a $100 certificate at Walmart if I'll just answer these questions. I finally figure it out. The consequences of a bad choice? Well, I get two magazines I don't really want, and I haven't found out yet how to cancel them. I get text messages on my phone every week to this day asking me to join something or sign up for something. I also get phone calls from everywhere soliciting my business. And I've gotten blasted by a number of people because they cannot believe I was so stupid to give out my credit card number. I make bad choices, but God uses it for good. The staff gets a great laugh out of it, along with their gift cards the next day. <laughs> In hearing this story today, you are reminded how perfectly human and how humanly imperfect are our clergy. So you will resist the temptation to put them on a pedestal and realize that we are as flawed as anybody, if not worse. I've learned an important lesson yet again, and I'm humbled, no question about that. I'll be even more cautious in the future. Already, out of that bad choice, God has brought good out of it. Living for Christ, it's all good. And all of our life expense and decisions can be used for good. Paul delivers a young girl from demonic oppression. He gets in trouble. He's stripped, whipped, and thrown in prison. He and Silas, they're singing and praising hymns, uh, singing and singing hymns and praying, nevertheless. The jailer is converted. They're freed. Wow. Paul is in Rome. He's writing to the church in Philippi. He's in prison. He says this is actually helped to advance the gospel, because it's all good news. Brothers and sisters, things happen. Good things happen. Bad things happen. When good things happen, give thanks. Praise the living God. When bad things happen, sometimes because we've made a bad choice, Sometimes they are simply events beyond our control. Sometimes they are unjust and undeserved. Do not become bitter, cynical, despairing, and hopeless. That is not the Christian way or view, and it's not good for you. Instead, know and believe like Jesus as he makes his way towards the cross. Know and believe like Paul as he writes from prison. That God will take the bad things of our lives and use them as well for his purposes and for your well-being, for your blessing and the blessings of others. So then life's journey becomes this. It's not, why me? But wow, I wonder how my Lord is going to bring good out of this mess because it's a big mess. But you see that cross? That was a big mess. The loveliest life that ever lived was nailed to a cross of wood. He died, rejected, and betrayed. Wow. How is God going to bring good out of that mess? Resurrection, new life, the gift of the Spirit, the promise of eternal life for all who believe. Wow. This is how we live for Christ. Amen.